So I'm really excited to have Sarah Harwitz Scram. Is that how you pronounce your name? Yes, Harwitz. Yeah, Scram. Technically, that's not my legal name anymore. It's Sarah Scram, but <laughs> Sarah Scram. Right. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. But yeah, no, I'm excited to to have you in the podcast. When when I first launched the podcast. I know you and I ran into each other in the hallway, uh, in the very empty hallways during the pandemic uh, a few months ago, and you had mentioned that you were kind of off-the-cuff mentioned that you wanted to be a guest on the podcast, so here you are. You're my fifth guest. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. I'm honored. (laughs) Well, let's start with uh, what I always start with, which is how do you take your coffee? Yeah, so I like medium roast coffee. And I like a little milk and I like creamer, like a dash of creamer and sweet and low. <laughs> so you double up, you double up the creamer and milk. Yeah, it's too strong for me otherwise. Um, yeah, I like, and I like the flavored creamer. So like I buy the like cinnamon bun flavor or like caramel flavor. Lots of sugar. <laughs> and then on top of that, you add sweet and low. So you like a really sweet coffee. Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, it's too bitter. The coffee beans are really just a vessel to get the sugar in your body, is it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, my husband and I joke that like we like a, a little coffee with our creamer. In my last podcast with, with Felix, we were talking about coffee, and he and I were talking about specifically how Latin American folks drink their coffee. And the biggest thing is, is cafe con leche, which is coffee with milk. But it's really, it's very cream heavy it's just basically milk with the dash of coffee so it sounds like you're kind of the kind of the same way yeah definitely and then sweet and low cancer warnings be damned you're taking (laughs) your sweet you don't you want artificial sweetener i love sweet and low honestly if you put like if you want sugar you have to put so much sugar to get like the sweet flavor and i feel like sweet and low just like one packet i get the sweetness i need I totally agree. You know what's funny? I totally agree. I, I'm a Splenda. I put Splenda in my coffee mm-hmm. because uh, when I get sugar in the raw or, or all that other organic stuff, it just it's not it's not the same, and I have to put so much of it. So I, I totally agree with that. Yeah, I agree. So you were recently promoted to so your last role was actually assistant director of individual giving, and you were recently promoted. Yeah, and yes. what's your new role? Um, director of individual giving. Okay, so they removed the assistant. Correct. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> well, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited. Is your is your role changing much, or is it just title change by basically recognizing all the work that you've been doing over the years? Um, I mean, definitely. I think more the latter, but I will say, like, we're we are growing the team, so mm-hmm. we're adding a new position, and so I'll be like my direct reports will have direct reports, so. Um, you know, more that's a, great. a larger team and then also um, focusing more on major donors and trying to grow that uh, source of giving. And you all are pivoting a little bit, you all as a development team, and maybe not your role specifically because you were always focused on on individual giving and not so much events, but the development team is going through a little bit of a renaissance mm-hmm. by by shifting away from events and being more intentional about donors. Yeah. How's that working? Yeah. So I think, I mean, something we've seen in the pandemic is a lot of corporations don't want to support events. Um, They want to support, like, I think because some of the money, you know, from their 
donation for an event will go towards the event you know we have and also events are so much work um the amount right. of staff time it's just like the return on investment you know doesn't really make so much sense um it's not that great um and so we're doing more like corporate partnerships and finding other ways that corporations can sponsor um also doing more like corporate service days um we have a new director of par corporate partnerships her name is maggie walsh and um that's right she just started she just started january uh, the end of january so we're really excited mm -hmm. to have her and uh she's you know helping with that transition that's awesome so yeah i a lot of people don't realize that when you put on an event the the one that comes to mind because i'm a i'm a huge golfer mm. is the golf tournament and People don't realize the months and months of planning that goes into that, and then at the end of it, you net out. Right. You know, you might you might raise two hundred fifty thousand dollars, but your take your net after you take away all the expenses that led into putting that event on, is like twenty thirty thousand dollars, if that. Right. No, hundred percent. That's kind of where you you guys are thinking that it's probably better to just engage these corporations, become partners, and get rid of all the overhead that goes along with the events, huh? hundred percent. Yeah, that's, that's what we're doing. And, um, I think also like the relationships with these corporations will be more meaningful, um, as well, because, you know, they'll be more invested in the mission. Like we're, for example, like we have, I think it's dental, something dental month and we're having Henry shine sponsor like this month. And, you know, they're getting to see more of like what we're doing with our dental program and how that's grown and all of that. So I don't think that's something they would have been privy to if they had, um, you know, only done an event sponsorship. Right. That's cool. That's cool that you guys are found a way to pivot even without the events uh, while still creating that brand exposure with these corporations that, that we need to, to create long lasting relationships with these folks. So have you always been in development slash fundraising or were you, how did you get into this field? How does one get <laughs> to become a development person? It's actually really funny because, um, for my, like between my sophomore year and junior year of college, I was, you know, I was looking for an internship so I can get college credit for. And um, I think I mentioned this to you one time, like when we were talking in the hallway, but I really love aquariums. <laughs> and <Yeah. laughs> um, the National Aquarium had some internship opportunities, uh, the National Aquarium, I mean, the Baltimore Aquarium. Baltimore, the Baltimore Aquarium, yeah. Yeah, and I grew up like going there a lot because my dad's work had like passes um, so I would like go there a lot with my mom and some friends and I always had such an amazing time. And, um, so I saw that they had like a development internship and I really didn't know what development was to be honest. Um, but I was like, this is so amazing. Like I'll get to see the aquarium <laughs> and be there every day. And, um, so I, you know, I applied and I got it and, um, I, you know, I got to learn all about like, you know, that was my first um, I guess entry point, like learning about corporate partnerships, um, because the National Aquarium did a lot with um, like corporations and that, you know, there's so many corporations in downtown Baltimore. Um, I also mm -hmm. got like to try like grant writing and grant research and um, even major donor events. So that was really, um, I don't know, I just really like that opportunity. There's so much like relationship building. I'm very extroverted. So that, you know, I just felt like a good fit. So an aquarium was a gateway to your career because you weren't you weren't you went to school to if i saw correctly uh, you were a communications major oh uh, yeah so i double majored yeah. yeah with english right yeah so 
the aquarium was your gateway to, to your career. <laughs> All, your, love, your love of aquariums led to your development career. Yeah, basically. Um, again, like I love aquariums, so it was just fun to like get to go there, give tours, you know, to people and be a part of that. What's the best aquarium you've ever visited? <laughs> the Atlanta, the Georgia Aquarium. That's amazing. Oh, yeah, that's a great one. Yeah, yeah I've been there. That's like my favorite. That's a good one. I know I would go there all the time if I lived in Atlanta. They have those whale sharks and like the beluga whales. <laughs> <laughs> all right, what's the most random aquarium you've ever visited? Okay, this one's random. Um, my brother is obsessed with sharks. He's like, loves, not okay. obsessed, but he loves sharks. So there's a, an aquarium in Virginia Beach that apparently had like, um, I think it's like a virgin birth, like where a shark gave what? birth to. to a you know a baby shark which ended up not living but it hadn't you know mated with any other shark um so there was like this whole scientific thing i don't know so we like went and the, the shark wasn't even like the baby shark wasn't even alive and my brother wanted to go there so we went so you went to <laughs> a virginia the by the way i've been to that aquarium as well uh, so you went to the aquarium in virginia beach to to Re figure out how the shark gave had a virgin birth. Right. Uh, wow. <laughs> it was so random, and I don't even remember like exactly how that happened and what they found. What What are your thoughts on Sea World? Then I know. So it's funny. In my master's program, I actually wrote a whole article, like a whole I don't know, like thesis or whatever about how <laughs> how um, animals in captivity is really not um okay and um like finding out about right. how like they used to capture the whales from the ocean and like they take the babies away from the mom it was just like really horrifying so yeah. i'm anti-sea world um I went but still pro aquarium well okay i have mixed feelings about the aquarium <laughs> i i mean I, the animals they have are being born in captivity so it's not like they're the practice of like taking them out of the wild unless they're rehabilitated like i know the national aquarium in baltimore does like a whole rehabilitation program they take mm -hmm. in seals that have been you know on the beach that have been sick or like um sea turtles and then they return them to the wild so i think that's really you know i feel like a lot of aquariums are shifting to like doing more rehabilitation and yeah right right uh, one of my favorite movies growing up was free willy free willy See, that was so sad for me i couldn't watch it right i know it was sad but it was a great movie yeah it was Love a good movie, movie. Fun fact also, we used to have the employee picnics mm -hmm. at Nationals Park before the pandemic, but prior to having them at Nationals Park, every year we would have the employee picnic at the National Zoo. That's cool. Well, yes. However, we had to stop when <clears throat> Juliana on my team put her foot down and said, nope, I am not for animals in captivity. She is very anti-zoo, very anti-animals in captivity. Oh, so we had to stop doing the picnics at the zoo. Oh, wow. Yeah, she would probably hate my stance on aquarium, like my obsession with aquariums. Well, we're gonna have to ask her. We'll have to ask her okay. where, where she stands on aquariums. But anyway, so are you originally from the DC area? I know you said your dad, your dad had a job and had passes to the Baltimore Aquarium. So are you from this area originally? Yeah, I actually grew up like ten minutes from the Silver Spring site, um, the Silver Spring Clinic. There's like a big, You're a Maryland girl. Yeah, a Maryland girl. There's a big Jewish community, like right. Uh, you know, like 10 minutes away from the Silver Spring site. Mm -hmm. So that's where I grew up. That's awesome. So Montgomery County, born and raised? 
Yes, Montgomery County, born and raised. And I haven't left, well, I left for college, but then I came back. So I really like the area, obviously. <laughs> uh, as you know, I do a lot of research before I do my podcast. And you went from one Montgomery County in Maryland to another Montgomery County for college. Did you know that your college was in Montgomery County? Yes, I learned that after I attended. But yes, it was pretty funny. Um, and do you live in Montgomery County now? Yeah, I live in Rockville with my husband and my dog. <laughs> okay, so you've, you have never left a Montgomery County. I guess not, no. <laughs> no. The Montgomery County that you went to in college was right outside of Philadelphia. Is it Ursinus? Is that how you say it? It's called Ursinus. Um, there's actually shirts that are like, this is how you pronounce Ursinus. Um, yeah, it's a small liberal arts college, like 2,000 people. Um, Ursinus, U-R-S-I-N-U-S? All right. So uh, what, how did you decide on Ursinus College? What brought you up there? Yeah, so I went to a really small private high school. My graduating class was 24 kids. <laughs> Which one? did? You, what school is this? Uh, it's McLean School in Potomac. Um, oh, I've heard of McLean. Yeah, I've heard of McLean School. Yeah, so it's really small. It's like one of their specialties that, this, that they have small classes. Like I, would, I had a class with like five kids at one point. Um, but I really like that, honestly the thought of going to like a big college where you'd be in a lecture hall with like 300 plus plus people like terrified me. Um, my brother went to university of Wisconsin. It was like 30,000, like 30,000. Oh, wow. Oh yeah. Was, That's a party school too. Yeah, yeah. Which is funny because my brother doesn't drink, but, um, <laughs> it was terrifying for me, like just really overwhelming. So I knew I wanted to look at small liberal arts colleges. Um, and I looked, you know, mostly in the Northeast and, I liked her sinus because it was right outside of Philly and I have family in Philadelphia. My mom's from Philadelphia. So I was a little oh, okay. nervous to leave the nest, I guess. So that was, you know, <laughs> it was not too far. <laughs> uh, Philly's a cool town. I like uh, Philadelphia. I've been to a few shows up there, concerts up there. And, yeah. and I've always had a good time in Philadelphia. It's got a really good food scene, actually. Yeah, the food's really good. I have friends who live in Philly. And um, honestly, if I didn't live here, I'd probably live in Philadelphia. You know, last time I was there, my cousin <clears throat> who went to Penn, which is right outside of Philadelphia, or is it in Philadelphia? It's in Philadelphia. My parents actually both went to Penn. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, so my cousin went to Penn, to the Kennedy School at Penn, and he took me to this, uh, you mentioned you're Jewish, he took me to a really good Jewish restaurant. It's a hummus, like they specialize in like hummus. Oh, yeah. It's right downtown, I can't remember the name of it, but anyway, it was delicious, I'd never been to a jewish specifically jewish restaurant it was called dizen dizen goff yeah Dizengoff. i've heard of that i've never been um, but i've heard of that they have something similar here now called shook have you been to shook no where's that so there's one in dc i'm not sure exactly where and there's one in rockville now and um it's what is it they have like it's vegan or vegetarian so there's mm -hmm. no meat but it's Oh, that's great. Um, I'm vegetarian. I don't know if you knew that. Oh, you're vegetarian? Yeah. I didn't know that. Um, yeah. Good for you. Um, yeah, so they have really good... It's really good. You should check it out. There's one in D.C. Um, really good hummus. Yeah. You have to send me that because I love, I love hummus and falafel. I, as a vegetarian, you know, that, that, that I'm speaking my language, which is why I really like that place in Philadelphia that my cousin took me to, Dizengoff. Which I found out later was named for, it's a, apparently a, a pretty major street in Tel Aviv. Oh, yeah. And so that's, they opened in Philadelphia and it was, it's modeled after the hummus stalls that were found 
in Israel. So uh, yeah, it was, it was incredible. So honestly the best hummus I've ever had. Um, so if you're in Philadelphia, definitely try it out. Disney golf. Yeah. I go there, you know, to see my uncle and stuff. So yeah, I can go. And have you ever been to Israel? Yes. Twice. When did you Um, go? So in college, I went on Birthright. Have you heard of Birthright? No, what's that? So Birthright is like a, well, it's actually like a nonprofit. um, And their goal is to, like, any Jewish person can, between like the ages of like 18 and 30 maybe, um, can go on a trip to Israel. It's free. I think you have to put like a $250 down payment. But it's, you know, they raise money to like fund these trips. Um, And so it's like a 10-day trip. What Israel, you're yeah, it's awesome. So basically, um, if you're if you're Jewish and th- it's a non, it sounds like a is it an organization or nonprofit that that yeah, basically it's a non, like a nonprofit. Okay, yeah. And then they and then you just put a small deposit and they give you a ten day trip to Israel. Yes, that's incredible. Um, yeah, it's really amazing. It's a great perk of being Jewish, but um, yeah, it was amazing. And I mean, honestly, they do have an agenda. It's like pro Zionist. Um, you know, Israel, which is fine. I mean, people have their opinions, so it can be controversial, but, um, it was really neat. They have, so you have like a guided tour, you have a tour guide, you have a security, like a guard with you. Um, did you feel safe there? Was it, as you know, I don't, I know kind of just what I see on the news and, and that there's, there tends to be conflict and, you know, sometimes things flare up, sometimes they don't. So you mentioned that you you had guards. I mean, was it safe, or did you go close to the like the west? Yeah, the uh, west bank. The west bank. Yeah. So honestly, when I before I went, I was really nervous Mm -hmm. just because you know there's bomb shelters everywhere, and like I've had friends who've had to like go in the bomb shelters, and there's you know they have sirens. Um, I did feel really safe. The one time that was nerve wracking was they took us to it's called Sidorot S D. E-R-O-T. Mm-hmm. And it's like right really close to, I don't know if it's Gaza or the West Bank. And they have bomb shelters in like parks. Like, and they, you know, they showed us some of the bombs or the rockets that have come over. Um, so that was a little scary. Um, but I felt really safe. I don't know if you know, but like Israel has this iron dome. Yeah, yeah. No, I've heard of it a lot. Um, which has shot, like, shoots down the rockets, which is pretty cool. Um, you do actually feel really safe there. Um, and I've heard it's beautiful. Beautiful. I've heard Israel is beautiful. It is really, yeah, it is really beautiful. And there's so much like history and not just Jewish history, but, you know, Christianity, there's like a whole Christian quarter in Jerusalem um, and a Muslim quarter, obviously. So, um, just, it was really neat. Did you visit like the major sites, like the Western wall and all that? Yeah. I went to the Western wall, um, which was really neat. And, um, I went again with my family in like 2017 Mm -hmm. and, like we got to go on Hanukkah, so like they did a whole menorah lighting like at this wall, and there was all this dancing, and it was really cool. That's awesome. Um, and what's uh, you mentioned the term pro-Zionist? Can you yes. what is, what is so, you know I grew up I grew up Catholic, very heavily Catholic as most Latin Americans do, and then and then non-denominational Christian. But I've I've since been just removed myself from a lot of religious orthodoxy just because i don't you know i i don't know i i think i just got burned out over the years and 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 i see i've seen how it can turn people into not good people uh, all in the name of religion so uh, anyway i the point being what does pro-zionist mean and and what's the controversy there yeah so 
it's really loaded. Um, I know that's a very loaded question. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I mean, I just don't want to offend anybody, but I'm not like, I feel very torn actually, but so pro-Zionist is like, uh, it's a national, it's like a movement so that, you know, there is the homeland, like a Jewish homeland and, you know, I wouldn't say like anti-Palestine, but mm-hmm. it's like, you know, the Jews deserve to have this homeland and, um, you know, the Jews, like all Jews should, you know, kind of go and support Israel. Um, I grew, I went to like an Orthodox Jewish day school from like kindergarten to ninth grade. Mm-hmm. And it was very Zionist. And I can tell you that like 20% of my middle school class has moved to Israel. Oh, wow. Like live there now. Yeah. Um, so it's just like really like Jew, you know, Israel's our homeland and, you know, we need to, you know, keep it for the Jewish people. Um, obviously there's a lot of controversy because when Israel was kind of created in the forties, like, uh, after World War II or, right. you know, where they, you know, Jews needed a place to go after the Holocaust, there was land taken away from the Palestinians. Right. Um, and that's so the conflict, it's con- right? Controversial. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there continues to be, you know, where like dis- disputes about like, you know, in the Gaza Strip and West Bank, like it's it's loaded. I actually feel uh, a little torn, very torn about it because I don't think anyone should, you know, have their land taken away. And yeah, yeah. I also am Jewish and like I feel this, you know, I guess cult- like I'm very I'm more culturally Jewish. So right. I feel this connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would, uh, it's one of the countries that I would love to visit. And I've, one, I've heard Tel Aviv is gorgeous, and I've heard the beaches are just incredible. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, but then I would love to visit, you know, Nazareth, Bethlehem, like, mm-hmm. at sea, yeah. you know, all the all the biblical sites that, that you grew up, and whether, regardless of your religion, it's, it seems like you grew, you grew up reading about these these ancient sites it's cool it would be awesome to see them oh yeah i recommend it for sure the dead sea was really cool you could just float, did you float you know well it was kind of i went in december so was, i just put my feet in but there were people it was a little chilly but people were floating do you think you'll go back i'm sure you will right um well so i have really good friends there um and i have cousins there so i would be open to going back i would like to see other parts because i've you know of the world because i've already been there twice but and you've been um, to the old city of Jerusalem? Yes, yes. Oh, that's so cool. It's so it's so yeah. interesting how these three major religions claim it as their holy land and it's just mm-hmm. it's a shame that it has to be you know I don't know that it can't be shared I guess in peace but I get it you know religion is just it can be so, so yeah so controversial and it can create so much conflict. Anyway, so you recently got married, right? You, you mentioned that yeah. your, your legal name is no longer Horowitz. It's not Scram. Yeah. How did you, yes. how long have you been married now? And, and how did you meet your husband? Um, so we met on Match.com. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So we met in 2017. And then huh, he's actually not Jewish. I broke the rule. <laughs> Wait, or did you get in trouble for that? Or like, were your parents not happy um, about that? My parents were very supportive. My mom converted to Judaism. She was Catholic. And so I think she, especially her, she felt very like strongly that you can't tell somebody what to do. Like religiously, like she made her own choices. I should make my own choices. 
Um, so my parents were supportive. I did have friends who were not so supportive. My friends would not be in my wedding because my husband's not Jewish. So you lost some friends um, because you married someone who wasn't Jewish? Correct. Wow. You know, I, I do want my kids to identify as Jewish, and we had that conversation oh, okay. if we were to have kids. But, you know, they have, if, they ha if we have kids, you know, they'd have grandparents who celebrate, you know, Christmas and Easter, and I, you know, I wouldn't want to take that away. So, yeah. but I, I just want, like, if somebody were to ask a kid, you know, my kid, like, you know, what's your religion? I want them to say, you know, at least like part Jewish, you know? Yeah. Well, it's that, it's that culture, right? Like you mentioned, culturally Jewish. Right. I'm not, I used to be like, my family's, you know, kept kosher and, you know, observed the Sabbath, but I just didn't like that. So that's, that's cool. So did you have a Jewish wedding? Like, did he get to step on the glass? No, no. <laughs> I really didn't want a Jewish wedding. I didn't want religion in it at all. Religion is just like, I feel like it's caused a lot of conflict. You're kind of like me, um, it sounds like. You're kind of like yeah. burnt out. Burnt out, for sure. Going yeah. to Jewish day school, praying twice a day, it was a lot. So what does your husband do? What? How long have you all been married now? Oh, yeah. So we got married. So we were supposed to have like a wedding reception. Our date was August 16th, 2020. Of course, COVID got in the way. Oh, so. right. You got married uh, after you started at Marriott Center. Yes, yes. So, um, we had to postpone the ceremony, like the reception, but we got married legally. Like we had just like a small outdoor thing, with just our immediate family. Mm -hmm. Um, and then in June, 2021, when things like before Delta and like, you know, everyone was vaccinated, like at least in my, my network and Brian's network, um, we had a, we had a wedding, which was nice. Um, like a nice. celebration. Too bad you didn't know at the time that I officiate. Could have could have been no, added to my roster. No, would have been good. <laughs> would have been good. Needed a non-religious. We found like some non-religious guy, but that's cool. Did you guys have a chance to take a honeymoon, or have you not done that yet because of everything going on? Yeah, we. I mean, we were we're still hesitant to travel abroad. Like, um, mm -hmm. so we ended up going to Myrtle Beach. Uh, my husband's parents have a house there, so we just oh nice. Went there and took our dog, and it was just us, and we, you know, just enjoyed some time off. That's great. And you have a you have a black lab. Is that what I saw? Yeah, his name is Poe. He's the best. Like Edgar <laughs> Allan Poe. Well, so yeah, the funny thing is, he's named for the Ravens mascot, the Baltimore Ravens mascot. Oh, Poe is named for Edgar Allan Poe. Right, right. Well, what made you what made you double major in English? Um, I love writing, and I love books. Um, and I like the critical, like analysis of, you know, you know, deep diving into the text. Um, what's your favorite book? My favorite book. Oh man, that's really hard. I really love To Kill a Mockingbird. Really? Okay. A, a classic. A yeah. A classic. A um, that's probably my all time. I've read it twice, maybe three times. That's it. Um, my favorite book. I've read like seven times. What's your favorite book? My favorite book is The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. I don't know if you've read oh, that. I've never read that. What's it about? It's about uh, this young man from Spain and his journey into basically the journey to find his, his personal, it's called his personal legend, but basically it's a journey to find himself and just following your dreams. Uh, it's really good. I, I would highly recommend it. 
Yeah, I should look into it. I'm trying to read a book every month, like finish a book every month. Oh, so you're an avid reader. Yes, I love reading. It's like such a great escape. I never really got too into reading. I only read when I have to. <laughs> but which which should say a lot about that particular book that it really engaged me enough that I've read it multiple times. I have it on audiobook. But, you know, I I've tried to get into reading. It's just got to it has to be a topic that I enjoy, which is generally nonfiction historical books. So like I love books on on the Revolutionary War, on Churchill, you know, stuff like that. That that's usually what gets me hooked. So back to your to dog Poe. You're you actually also volunteer, right? You do. You're pretty passionate about animal welfare, and yes. so talk to me about that. Yeah. So we adopted Poe from um, an organization called Lab Rescue, um, LRCP, I think. Um, and so I like I want to volunteer, but I'm also really sensitive. So you know, hearing about like some of the dogs that have been given up and cause it's, yeah. you know, they, they take in dogs that have been given up or strays. My dog was actually a stray they found in North Carolina. Um, so I wanted to give back and, and do more. So I volunteer as like a house checker. So once the dog has been adopted by a family, 30 days later, we do a check-in with the family, seeing how things are going, making sure the dog has like, you know, enough exercise is getting, had vet care training if necessary so that's been fun i would be my hesitation as well because i love animals i have i have three dogs my wife and i have three, three dogs. dogs that's my dream yeah <laughs> well we i always joke and f frustratingly joke that we live in squalor i happen to live in a home but i'm really just uh, my dog's roommate i feel like half the time that's funny yeah dogs you have that, well, they're big. That's the problem. Two of them are big. One is a 14-year-old Shih Tzu. She's tiny. Aww. And she barely moves except to eat. Um, she doesn't go up and downstairs. She barks to be carried up and downstairs. <laughs> she she can walk just fine. She just refuses. Doesn't want to go. Yeah. Yeah. And then we have two one-and-a-half-year-old massive dummies. One is an Australian Shepherd. And one is, yeah, one is a half Husky, half Akita. Oh, wow. So they're both like 50, 60 pound idiots that just run around and chase each other all day. I think, I think if left to her own devices, my wife would have like five or six dogs. Honestly, I really do. Yeah. But to be fair, when we first got married, I brought four cats into the family. <laughs> but now we're down to one. Cats? No, no, no. One, one, one is the only one left. The other three um, passed away just from old age and complications. Yeah. But... Anyway, I'm a cat person. She's a dog person. Just cats to me, like, they take care of themselves. They're very loyal. <laughs> they don't want to be bothered. They're kind of introverts. Kind of like me, actually. Yeah. You're an introvert? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do not. My big joke about being in HR for 17 plus years is that I don't really like people, but I'm good with them. That's hilarious. Because you seem so, like, extroverted and bubbly and, like, let's go. Let's hang out. Let's do something. I, but honestly, you know, a lot of people see get see that, and and that's I can be that way. But what they don't see, and only my wife sees, is when I get home. But at the end of the at the end of the day, like I just I, she was like, "Where are you going?" I was like, "I need to just be alone for give me an hour or two. Like I just need to go into the room, watch TV, do nothing, go to yeah. sleep at nine p.m. Like I, I so." I to me introvert and extrovert like an extrovert gets energy from people yes and in, an introvert an introvert doesn't mean that 
they can't be around people and and can't handle it it to me it means that it takes and i need right. to be it's alone exhausting. to get my energy right exactly so at yeah. the end of the day i need to recharge on my own to be by myself and my wife is a very very big extrovert she's a lobbyist so she's talking all yeah. day yeah. and then comes home or gets off of work and then wants to talk even more <laughs> and whereas i'm working all day talking to people in meetings and and then i get home and i don't want to talk for a couple hours and so it's been a it's been a little bit of a balance she always says like she she didn't realize i was like this until after she married me and by then it was too late (laughs) so that's like me and my husband because i'm very very extroverted and he's very introverted and we both like i'm hybrid so i go in a couple times a week but like sometimes i need to chat and he's like sarah and he should not like i need a break so after college, you did some development work, some nonprofit work, and then somewhere along the lines, you got you decided that was your career. Went to Johns Hopkins and got your master's right in nonprofit management. Yeah, so it's like public management, but then I got a certificate in nonprofit management as well. But mm-hmm. to be honest, I didn't start out in development as my first job. Um, how did so? How did you get it back into that after the aquarium experience, and then how did that lead you to Mary Center? Um, yeah, so my first job out of college was I worked kind of as like a sales coordinator at the flagship Hilton in Tyson's. Um, oh yeah, that's a nice Hilton. It's yeah. a nice Hilton, um, really nice Hilton, and it was just like redone when I started. But it, I really, I just felt like I did a lot of like helped a lot with events and like weddings, and I was like, oh man. Like, I understand the need for, like, you know, all these details, but it felt, like, kind of superficial and um, I'm not, you know, bashing, you know, weddings or um, these corporate events, but it just felt like we, there are so many bigger issues in the world and, like, when people freak out about, like, oh, my God, the flowers are wrong at my wedding. Like, it just felt, I don't know, just not rewarding. So Empty. Yeah, right. Um, so then I went back to the nonprofit world by working for the Jewish Social Service Agency um and then eventually i came to mary center like eight years seven years later and um healthcare has always been something really important to me my mom's a retired nurse oh Um, cool so uh just also all the services behavioral health is something that i'm really passionate about i worked at the national alliance of mental illness in montgomery county for two and a half years so that was you know oh glad we could I could continue, you know, supporting or work for, working for an organization that supports the mental health of others. So you randomly found Mary Center just searching for a job or did, how did you, how did you get here? So actually I learned of Mary Center when I was at NAMI, the National Alliance of Mental Illness, because um, we were launching Latinx uh, mental health programs. So um, mm-hmm. like specifically the programs would be in Spanish, you know, because there's such a large population in Montgomery County of, you know, Latino individuals, Latinx. Um, so I, like, we were looking for organizations to partner with. Um, at NAMI, there were three programs, and we just wanted to get the word out. So we reached out to Mary Center about, um, you know, making sure that their client, you know, the participants knew about these resources uh, that were available to them in Spanish. And then Eventually, I, I found that Mary Center was hiring. I just was, you know, when I learned about Mary Center, I was just like in awe of all everything they do and yeah. do now. So, um, you know, I was really excited to see that opportunity and I applied. 
That's awesome. And now you've been here a little over two years or just about two years? Yes, it flew by. I started like right yeah, before the pandemic. Thank God you got a little bit of in-person work, like full-time in-person work. Because yeah. I, I always say, like, we've hired so many people. We hired like 240 people last year, which is crazy. Oh, One, shout out to Deanna and her team for all the hires. But yeah. two, I feel sad for those folks that are not, because they haven't fully experienced in-person Mary Center like we have, you know? Like, it's such a different feel, yeah. feel culture. And hopefully we'll get there someday, but I'm glad you, you got to experience that a little bit. And yeah, it flew by the two years that you've been here. Yeah. I do second yeah. your um, praise to Deanna because I know her team has worked so hard and um, I've used, you know, I've worked with them for hiring. And so um, I thank them for that. But also I agree that it's <laughs> hard to start a job during the pandemic and be virtual. And it's like a, maybe feeling disconnected because you don't know, you know, I've gotten to meet people in different departments, which is really nice. Um, yeah, but I think that's harder when you're starting out virtual. Actually. Well, I think well, I think things are starting to slow down a little bit with the pandemic, and and hopefully we'll never get rid of the hybrid model. But you know, more and more, I think people will start going in. So now we just have to figure out where to put everybody that we've hired over the last two years. <laughs> All right, so we're towards the end of the podcast. I'm going to ask you ten questions. Okay. Just to answer with the first thing that comes to mind. Don't have to think about it too much, and. We'll just go. You ready? Yes. All right. What's your favorite word? <laughs> uh, love. Let's go with love. All right. We'll take love. Good word. What's the last concert you attended? Oh, man. Um, we went to, my husband is a big fan of um, uh, Third Eye Blind. Yes. Third Eye Blind. Oh, Third Eye Blind. Wow. Your husband is a 90s guy. Yeah, well, he was born in the 80s, like late 80s. So. Yeah, I mean, trust me, I grew up listening to Third Eye Blind. My God, that is a 90s throwback. Which actor would you want to play you in a movie? Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, Jennifer Anderson. I love Jennifer Anderson. I don't care if people hate on her, but I really like her. <laughs> she is wonderful. I think that's a great choice, and she's beautiful. She's beautiful. If you had to eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh, man. Probably pizza. I love pizza. I love pizza. Uh, What profession other than your own would you most like to attempt? Oh, sports journalism, for sure. Like, Oh, you're a big sports fan. Aaron Andrews. Yeah, I love sports. I'm kind of obsessed. Uh, What job would you be terrible at? Oh, man. Oh, man. Well, finance. Like, my husband's always on, he's in finance, and he's always on, like, Excel spreadsheets, and I'm like, I don't understand. I, I don't know Excel really well. And it also like, yeah, he doesn't do a lot of interaction with people. And that's hard for me. Okay. So don't transfer to the finance team. Got it. Definitely not. If you could fly anywhere tonight, where would you go? I really want to go to Italy. I've never been my mom's family. She has family from Italy. So I'd love to go to Italy. What sound or noise do you love? Oh, man. Oh, the ocean, the waves. We always, my family, I grew up going to Outer Banks every summer and oh my gosh, I could just sit there and listen to the waves. It's so relaxing and calming. I, so, I have like a noise machine and I sometimes put it on and it's like the waves, the ocean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what sound or noise do you hate? Oh man. Um, I don't know. I hate when people's stomachs growl. I really hate that sound. I don't know. 
You know what? So do I. That's a, such a good. Wow, what a pull that is. So no. that's great. Yeah, sometimes my dog's stomach growls. I'm like, I can't sit next to him when it happens. It just like really bothers me. <laughs> oh my god, that's so funny. All right, and finally, where is your happy place? Um, I really love the beach, and I love when my husband and I get to go to, like, the Outer Banks together. He actually proposed to me in the Outer Banks um, on the Aww. beach um, with my parents' dog, who I got when we were a senior in, when I was a senior in high school, um, and that was really sweet. So, the Outer Banks on a beach with my husband. That's po. awesome. With Poe, yeah. yeah. Obviously, he can't, um, we can't leave him. Right. Well, Sarah... It's been amazing to talk to you and get to know you a little bit better. And I honestly, as with every other podcast, I feel like we could talk another hour. I, there's so much I want to talk about your time in Israel and and your experience with Lab Rescue, because I'm a passionate dog lover as well. But, you know, we'll save it for another podcast where we'll That's have fun. a part two eventually. Have a part two. Yeah, well, thank you so much. I'm honored. I was like so excited. Well, thank you so much. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure, and I'll see you around the office. My thanks to Sarah for joining me for the podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. Take good care of each other, and we'll see you next time.